now that I'm sitting in the congregation much more frequently than I used to do, it has become even more obvious to me now that what goes on in worship is very much dependent on me, on how I'm participating, how I'm engaging in this. Sure, there, there, there have been times when I look around and see particularly guys standing, apparently not really being involved in the worship when we're singing. And then I realize I'm doing the same. So, you know, it's just something we need to keep challenging ourselves with and try to be focused on what we're doing. I'm here to meet with God. That's a big thing. Welcome to this week's Calling a City to Life, a podcast by Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow. We are joined, not by Ian this week, who I believe is making his way with Anne down through all the TBA-owned service stations in the UK on his way down to Exeter. That's his favourite haunt. So if you're looking for Ian, you'll find him in some <laughs> motorway service station somewhere. We are joined instead this week by the man that preached this past Sunday, Edwin Gunn. Good morning, Edwin. How are you? Hi, good morning, Richard. I'm well this morning, thanks. Do we get to say that this is the first time you've ever been on a podcast? First time ever, yes, absolutely. Excellent. So it just just shows there's always new things up ahead. Brody, how are you this morning? Slightly damp. I discovered that uh, trying to listen to the podcast with earbuds on while wearing a cagoule means that the hood of the cagoule presses all the buttons on your po- on your earbuds <laughs> and all of a sudden it's maximum volume, minimum volume, bass sound, uh, awareness <laughs> sound, pod switching off. Uh, so yeah, I eventually got there, but yeah, a cagoule and earbuds do not mix. You need to go back to the old-fashioned umbrella, Brody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't too windy, was it? So I could have have used an umbrella. Jack, how are you this morning? I'm good, but you're you're doing the morning gaff again. Oh, I'm I mean, doing I the think we should just surre- I think we should just accept that you're the morning guy and <laughs> apologize to the listeners that whenever they're listening is whenever we're here. Yes, we're just we're <laughs> we're course. here. We're like omnipresent. We're here in your mornings, <laughs> your afternoons, and your evenings. Uh, very good. Well, this week we got to hear from Edwin preaching from Genesis 32 verses 22 onwards. So I'm going to hand over to Edwin to give us a quick Radio 4 style 60 second uh, introduction or summary of what he said this past Sunday. Edwin, over to you. Okay, thanks, Richard. It was all about Jacob, right enough, uh, last Sunday. And Jacob is marked out as a, as a deceiver and a cheat uh, from his birth. And he lived out that role pretty much pretty well for, for much of his life, not only cheating other people, but actually being cheated often and deceived uh, himself unfairly, particularly with the years that he spent with his uncle Laban. Anyway, the incident in Genesis 32, where Jacob is facing a situation for which really he has no answer. And it he struggles, he wrestles all night with this mysterious man, at Peniel. And I think that struggle brought to head the struggle of a lifetime. It was real for Jacob. And uh, it also, I think, lets us see something that presumably we know ourselves, the kind of ambivalence that is there. One minute Jacob is wrestling with the man who I take to be the Lord himself. The next minute he's 
clinging on to him for dear life. There was an ambivalence there in Jacob's uh, attitude to the whole thing. So anyway, that's what we were thinking about. What did that night mean for him? Excellent. Summarise like someone who's done this a thousand times before. I was honestly going to say, Ian and Brody, I think you've just been trumped by the genius on the perfect summary. <laughs> you've just been shown how it's done. There we go. I, I wanted to start this by asking a question about names, because this is a, a, a topic which repeats itself very often in the Old Testament in particular, which is names meaning things and that meaning being associated with the attitude of the person that's being discussed, Jacob, uh, who is a great example of this. Why is it that that is a focus in the Old Testament? Is it just because it's an easy thing? You know, nowadays, I don't think of Edwin, I don't know what Edwin means. And I, no. I, I often think that a lot of these things, Mondays are completely invented by marketing people. But Back in the day, the name meant something and the meaning really associated itself with the attitude of the person and had almost some sort of predictor of of the life that they were going to lead and something they were going to have to fight against. Yeah, I think that's right. And Brody might have a better uh, answer for that than me, but, but names were very important. And you see that particularly through these chapters of, of Genesis. But elsewhere in scripture as well it keeps coming up because i think you you're you're getting it absolutely right richard the name was thought to convey something particularly the person's character as well as his attitudes to to life i mean would it would it not just be advisable for them to give everybody names that meant really good things <laughs> on the basis that that might have helped if you're going to call your child something that means deceiver are you not kind of setting yourself up just a little bit <laughs> i think in that respect as well richard it's also been used as a, a literary device mm -hmm. of so the readers of the story go it's, it's like an easter egg in a film they go ah Right, I get where this is going, but then always, or invariably, it has a twist. Um, you know, and Jacob would be the, the prime example of, we think we know where this story is going, and yet something strange is happening. You know, this this man who is, you know, the sneak, the thief, the, the, the deceiver, the, you know, he's the one that's blessed. What's that all about? Hmm. You know, what is it? That's this, there's something, there's something wrong. Have they got... They've got the wrong name. They've got the wrong guy. But do you think, uh, just to contextualise it, do you think back in the day, if some, you know, you go up to somebody just now and you introduce yourself, they go, ah, my name's Richard. Nice to meet you, Brody. Uh, who do you think Jacob introduced it? My name's, my name's Deceiver, because that's effectively whatever, you know. Did And I, I did have a brief scan through the text to see if you actually see Jacob using his own name or... You know, was he aware of what it meant and was trying to escape it? Or, you know, how how did people in those cultures engage with the names that they had been given? Did it just mean, I mean, it was just so far, it feels so foreign to what we experience today. I've never been introduced to anybody other than possibly some of our uh, African uh, colleagues who are, are named after emotions. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to, or, or people who would have the name Patience or Grace or, or things like that, whereby you kind of engage with the name maybe slightly differently. How did folk engage with names in general when every name meant something? I don't know that we know that every name meant something, but, but there are 
clearly clear individuals uh, where their name is is very important. And of course, Jacob was given that name virtually, for, well, virtually from first first appearing on earth. So um, it, it was it, it was as if it, it wasn't thought through very well. So some something was going on that people recognised something in Jacob that was not yet obvious to anyone anywhere. And that's that's the strange thing about it. Jacob was given this name right at his birth. But these and, and these names also sit within the, the wider context of, of the story of God. So we're able to kind of like I know your question, Richard, is, you know, how did how did those around about him and is is you know that immediate time and context but you know when we think of then history of israel you know they re- refer to the god of abraham and jacob and so jacob's mentioned in there so it speaks of of the name is reinterpreted in that broader story to speak of god's redemptive purposes if god is even the god of jacob then there's hope for me mm. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, uh, Brody, um, and and that's certainly what it conveys as the story goes on, and the, the fact that God is identified and identifies Himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is remarkable, really. When when you think of what Jacob was actually like. And I say there's hope for me because the name yeah. Brody means <laughs> confession means, time. Wait, wait for it. Small ditch or dike. Because <laughs> it's it's a place name. You can go and visit Brody. You can go and visit Brody Castle. The daffodils are seemingly lovely uh, at springtime. Um, but yeah, that's that's what the place Brody means. Small ditch or dike. <laughs> I, I feel we should have all come with our name meanings today. To, to make it an even playing field. I'm sure the internet sitting in front of me right now will reveal all in, in a few moments. T- I don't think we've got time for that, though, because there's too many other important things. Well, um, let, me tell, let me tell you, my name means faithful friend. Now, that's something to be pleased about and, and uh, not, yeah. not to be ashamed of. You're winning over Brody there, for sure. Okay, okay. well, <laughs> just, just for roundness, I've just looked up. So Richard apparently means strong in rule, oh. and Jackie apparently means surplanter. No. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Moving swiftly along. (laughs) So, Edwin, after you talked a bit about what's in a name on Sunday, you started, you went on a little segue, which I feel we're going to give you a little bit more time for today. You talked about our awareness of God and how it can oftentimes depend on our attitude, whether we're expecting it or the condition of our heart. It obviously mattered to you a lot the way you were saying it because I felt you were very passionate about it. And I wondered if you wanted to share a little bit more about that. Well, I think now now that I'm sitting in the congregation much more frequently than I used to do, um, it it has become even more obvious to me now that that what, what goes on in worship is very much dependent on me, on how I'm how I'm participating, how I'm engaging in this. And uh, sure, there, there there have been times when I look around and see, particularly guys, standing apparently not really being involved in the worship when we're singing, in particular. And then I realise I'm doing the same. <laughs> so you know, it's just something we need to, I think, keep 
challenging ourselves with and and try to be focused when we come into church into a worship service be focused on what we're doing i'm here to meet with god that's a big thing do you think some of that comes comes with cultural hindrances i I think it might do yeah i think it might do um but I, i think it's more just a personal attitude really rather than what other people are are saying to us or giving us round yeah. about. I think as well there's a there's a relationship between or there should be a relationship between what happens on a Monday to Saturday and what happens on a Sunday. And so in, in one sense, on a Sunday we are practicing worshipping God discerning his presence so that Monday to Saturday in whatever circumstance we are, we can be conscious of God is a God who is with us. He is with us just now as we are on this call recording the the, um, uh, the podcast. But in those good times and hard times, we're conscious of that, but also that our practising of uh, being in and, and knowing the presence of God and worshipping God in all activities we do then feeds into a Sunday of having practiced Monday to Saturday on a Sunday in that dedicated space without the normal distractions. I can give it my absolute best. Whereas, you know, in the week kind of like, you know, the phone goes or an email comes and, and of, you know, life happens, but on a Sunday, you know, I can be really focused. And so there's that symbiotic relationship between our everyday week and our everyday kind of like spending time and choosing to kind of like, as Edwin spoke about on Sunday, of of just during our working day, of just taking that couple of minutes quiet just to say, Father, I need to know your presence in this mm-hmm. this time. So that's that's not just for a Sunday, that's for every day and, and all all the time. You know, that's part of Paul's thing about, you know, praying continually. That surely part of that means of of that worshipping God continually, but also discerning his presence with us continually. It it feels like our emotions can sometimes get in the way of this in t- sort of for a couple of different reasons. One being that um, we feel that we to we need to have felt something dramatic in order to be aware of the presence of God. Or, and uh, if we feel nothing, then we, we feel or we believe that he isn't there. And I think there's that tension, isn't there, between at the times where we're feeling maybe spiritually dead for one reason or another, which we all go through seasons of, um, or a feeling like there is something, you know, really oppressive or difficult that we're experiencing, being able to step into the place of faith of knowing that he is there and then really being able to engage with him in a trust basis and acknowledging that he is there and therefore what does our response then become it, it could because either way it requires us to step into a place of connection with it whether you are feeling or whether you weren't there's a choice that we end up having to make isn't there yeah and also i i, I was quite conscious at the time of make, making too much of the fact that uh, that we sense the presence of god Mm-hmm. Because you're absolutely right, Jackie. I think there are times, or many times, when we go there, 
Well, mm-hmm. all the time, really, when we go to worship, we are not going with the intention of what is this going to do for me? Yeah. But real worship takes us there to say, what can I give to the Lord? I'm, I'm here to praise the Lord, to yeah. say thanks to him, to honor him, to be focused on him. Yeah. And I guess if we go looking for an experience, even if that experience is one of the near presence of God, if we go with that motive, yeah. we're not really worshiping. Yeah, and it's the opportunity, isn't it? When it, the danger of feeling like we come for experience, or that we that we that we worship in order to be blessed, whilst it's always the byproduct product of worshiping that we are blessed, it should never be our motivation, um, because for me it's that sense of it's it's reconnecting it's like plugging into you know it's like doing your apple update on your computer or or whatever android equivalent it's like reconnecting into all that is absolutely most important and on a sunday my greatest joy is always feeling like this is the truth of my life i am in the place where where the the sense of god's sovereignty the reality of who he is 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 what I am declaring and what I know to be utterly true and it is the most true thing in my whole life and I feel like that's a but yeah sorry that was me just going on a tangent with tangent with Edwin there <laughs> but, it's, but it's a good tangent Jackie and I wonder whether one of the things that the story of Jacob in particular this encounter challenges us with is the blessing that Jacob received costs him something he ends up mm-hmm. with a limp Mm-hmm. And that must have been painful. And I wonder whether sometimes we want cost-free worship. Yeah. You know, easy worship. Um, and, you know, it comes back to the like the question that Colin asked the other week there in the Q&A of, you know, do you like the songs that we sing? Of, do you know what? In one sense, I'm not bothered because worship costs something. And if it costs me singing a song that, do you know what? I don't like that much or style of music of that doesn't matter because I'm here to worship God. And therefore, you know, there is that whole we talk about, you know, sacrifice of 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 praise. Um but I think as well there, there is that support, isn't there, when we come together as a congregation of, as you say, people are in different places, different things are going on. And for me to be able to worship to help lift somebody else who's struggling. Yeah. is part of what it means to be that a uh, that body so this isn't a kind of like i don't think edwin's encouragement to us should we should hear that in a condemnatory way of you need to do better in that sense because there are some people of just getting there on a sunday they've done pretty well um but an encouragement to us of, of for all of us of what whatever situation we are to give our best to god and mm-hmm. if our best to God is, God, life's really hard just now, then give that to him. Yeah, that's good, Brody. That's absolutely right. And that's why I tried to say, particularly, I think, for young families, for, for parents coming in with kids, maybe have been frazzled on the way to get to church, to get there at all, as you say, is a big thing uh, for them. They've, they've, they've made that commitment, really, to the Lord and to worshipping the Lord. I want to be there. My mind may be an umpteen other things at the time, but so we need, we we need, I suppose, a bare minimum. I've never thought of a proportion, but we need enough believers who are 
really in tune with with the worship and with the Lord yeah. to lift the others who mm. are struggling or who've yeah. really had a hard time, who don't really know if they want to be there at all. Yeah. But for them to be lifted in vibrant worship is, is a powerful thing. I guess that's why the worship leader is important. You're looking Absolutely. for somebody anointed who... Yeah. It sounds a bit technical to who can read the room, but it's effectively that it's being able to see where it's not being too far ahead of where everybody is and leading folk and pushing people just the right amount to get everybody, you know, as engaged as their circumstances at that moment can be. And it's perfectly acceptable for everybody to be in a different place because that's just the reality we, we all are mm. yeah yeah i just i think it's the sense of the, the responsibility that we have and not on a sunday morning only obviously as Brody was saying it's that continual thing of where is god in this moment am i sensitive to am i aware of him we sang on sunday that line from um the jen johnson song goodness of God and and the bridge is his goodness is running after me and I so often think yes it is and do we stand still and allow ourselves to be caught do we do we stop and acknowledge where he is do do we actually look for where he is or are we constantly trying to get out of his way and I think it's just that whole life responsibility of being aware of him being sensitive to him and it, and it's it's an invitation isn't it for each of us taking us nicely back to Jacob obviously the whole passage is about Jacob wrestling with God and it struck me on Sunday that there was no place for apathy you can't wrestle in an apathetic fashion it required him to come to the table being willing to be sweaty for all the ugliness for everything that was uncomfortable for everything that was painful there was no way of getting to the outcome without actually engaging. That's true. And I, I, I don't think much of that kind of thought would have been with Jacob at all. He, yes. he was just suddenly in this situation. And actually, that was one of the other things that came to me uh, thinking about, about that whole incident. Jacob did not initiate it. No. It wasn't his doing. And it's not even as if at that point he was looking for God, but God intervened. God stepped into his life um, in a way that involved struggle for for Jacob. Absolutely. We we don't really know any of the details of the struggle, but we we can put that in from our own experience, the kind of struggles that we have with God. I think... Ian, in his blog last week, mentioned that the the dark night of the soul situation, um, which many, many believers uh, suffer from or have suffered from. And and that's where Jacob was, really. Because you referenced referenced the fact that obviously God was more than capable of defeating him, but obviously is choosing, choosing not to. And obviously there's that thing of free will and God not overpowering us when we don't want to be it doesn't mean that God doesn't intervene in our lives at points when he knows that we need an intervention. That's a very kind of now phrase, isn't it? But it is it is like God's intervention, isn't it, Brody? I don't like the word intervention. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've said this before because I think, so God can move in a specific way 
but you know I'm I we're back to that kind of like the 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 uh, wonderful but scary verse that uh, Edwin highlighted to us is you know um, surely God uh, was in this place and I wasn't aware of it of God is is looking to be involved in our lives all the time. Um, but we're not always aware of it or don't always give God the opportunity of it. I mean, I thought that was one of the, the really powerful things that, that came across as Edwin speaking of that whole challenge of of Jacob wittingly or unwittingly positioned himself so that he was on his own and God could get him on his own. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think you said it yourself there, Jackie, of, of do we take that time to stop, to say... Because in one sense, I think Edwin's right of Jacob didn't initiate this, but it's clearly linked to the prayer that he prays. And this is an unexpected answer to prayer. This is not how Jacob envisaged, well, I don't think it is, of how Jacob envisaged God answering his prayer. But this is part of the answer to his prayer of, of God, deliver me. But I think the, 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 to flip it the other way of of the challenge for us is to participate in what God has for us and to choose to to, to go there. I mean, a, you know, it's the old thing of if you have kind of like a particularly older teenage sons who are going into town at night, you know, you teach them if, if somebody picks a fight with you or looking for a fight, you run, you run, run, run. Jacob could have ran. But he didn't run. He chose to participate in what was going on there. And I think that's the challenge for us of sometimes God is wanting to do something in our lives and we run and he has to run after us to use the, the words from the song you referenced rather than it's actually participating in what it is that God has for us. Even if it's a bit messy and ugly and undignified as wrestling, I'm sure, would have been and costly. You know, wrestling was, was costly in the physical exertion and it ends up wounded eh, from it. So I think the challenge that I took was, um, am I participating in what God is looking to do in my life? So you think that he, you think that he chose to engage with it. You think there was, you think there was an option for him not to. I realize we're now yeah, looking into yeah, things yeah. in the passage Ab that maybe aren't there. Because God's, I mean, Jacob references it in, in his prayer. He, he speaks of God's hesed, of, of God's steadfast love and God doesn't overpower us. God is not coercive. He doesn't force us to love, but he is the God who yet while we were sinners came looking for us and loved us. And so God comes to Jacob, invites him to, because we're not given the details, but there's some kind of, Jacob had a choice in the situation. He could have fled, he could have, um, but he engages Maybe he thought taking on one guy rather than the 400 that were coming with his brother was, was the better option. Who knows? We, we, we don't know that, but I think there is a choice here. Okay, so here's my question then. What does this look like for us if we are in a place of wrestling with something, whether it be, I think Edwin had talked about illness on, on Sunday, periods of, of long illness or grieving or issues of just anger about maybe our upbringing or like so you know the options are endless and we're in a place of pain with it and we are 
doing the thing where we remove ourselves actually from speaking to God about it because we've kind of become shut down in some ways. What does it look like for us to choose to be willing to have the wrestling with God, to have the the integrity of being like a psalmist and truly taking all that is painful to him and and being authentically angry and not feeling like we just need to be looking like the perfectly mature Christian who has it so together that actually we don't experience that kind of emotion. What What's the way to do that well? I feel like that's a really massive question, but I, I feel like you can take it in many directions. Well, I, I feel like I've been surplanted <laughs> by my wife in the difficult Sorry. question <laughs> stakes. So there we go. I will now sit back and relax while you two deal with that. <laughs> Edwin, you go first. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Brody. <laughs> I think we obviously have a choice, uh, Jackie, at that point, and we're we are struggling with whatever the situation that we're in that can easily take us away from God. We can go down that road and, and often do. And I think that's where we kind of, I mentioned we see that thing in Jacob, um, wrestling, fighting with God, almost angry with God perhaps, and then at the same time not wanting to let him go, really hanging on uh, for dear life. And uh, I think we all experience that and know what that means. But I think when we're in this situation ourselves, what's required is for us just to be quiet with the Lord, Just, just to sit there or kneel or lie down or whatever we're doing and just wait. There isn't anything we can do at that point other than be there. Uh, As, you know, Jacob was there, he was in a place. But when he first stopped there, I I don't know if it had anything to do, if he had any thoughts about meeting God at that point. I suspect he didn't have. It was a total surprise to him when he found himself wrestling with this man. But, yeah, it... I don't think there's a simple answer except that we 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 need to be in a place even even if we're disappointed with God even if we're really uh, well, you said angry yes angry with Him am I prepared nevertheless to give Him the benefit of the doubt and just mm-hmm. to wait quietly till mm-hmm. till He does something in my it's life. Just- Oftentimes it is the thing that in our faith can be so damaging and can lead us completely away from God altogether is that in seasons of significant disappointment or pain, we actually don't go to him with the pain because we already have decided that he's left us. Brody, you've got thoughts? Yeah, so I think as well of the blessing that Jacob receives isn't instantaneous. He receives the blessing there and then. But what that looks like takes time to unfold, perhaps even generations to unfold. You know, he's blessed. He has this new identity, this new name. And that, that in one sense, changes everything. But he still, the next day, has to go and meet Esau and all that sort of stuff. He still, so he has to step into the blessing that God has uh, given him. And it reminds me of of you know the analogy that we that's often used for the the cross i think oscar coleman was a guy who uh, kind of like first said this that you know the cross 
was like D-Day. It was decisive. The battle was won. And yet we still, until Christ comes back, don't live in the full blessing of what happened uh, on D-Day at the, the cross. And I think there's something that happens now. So there is that kind of like, I'm going to cling on to you, God, for this blessing. And I'm going to stay close to you to walk into the blessing that you give me. Um, you know, our problems, we, we all know this, our problems don't all disappear. I've I've had an earworm in my head since Edwin's sermon uh, from the, took me back to like car journeys with my parents and the tape recorder that they would play the Gaither Trio on. <laughs> of, and, and of course, there's in one sense that the, the sentiment of that song is entirely true, true. He touched me, he touched me. And oh, what joy fills my soul. You know, there's a sense in which that's true, but there's also a sense of we can oversimplify it of, you know, just one touch and everything's fine. We know that very often that's not the case, that God leads us onto a journey Again, I come back to this kind of like idea of participation. If he invites us to participate, to step into what he has for us, but it doesn't come in a neat package tied with a nice bow. Um, it's 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 often a continuing in that wrestling, but in a different form. Yeah, yeah, and and that's right. That goes on in in Jacob's life. He's not by no means is he suddenly perfect after this struggle with the Lord. In fact, there's, a, there's a, an interesting postscript to the whole thing. Um, you, you're probably aware that, that Hebrews 11, where the writer to Hebrews is going through the list of people of faith, he, he highlights as Jacob's, uh, the main identity of faith for Jacob is that... Uh, he, he blessed his grandchildren, Ephraim and uh, Manasseh. And, and that somehow is, is the supreme act of faith that's recorded in this chapter in Hebrews, men and women of faith. Here's Jacob, a man of faith. What, what shows us his faith? The fact that he blessed his grandchildren, Joseph's sons. But when you read the story, Joseph brings his two boys, Jacob's dying. Joseph brings his two boys, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim, to be blessed by the dying Jacob. And uh, he's he moves moving towards, uh, if you can picture this, he's moving towards uh, his father. And he has Manasseh on his left hand because that will be opposite Jacob's right hand and he will get the right hand of blessing as the first, as the older of the two boys. Uh, he gets the blessing and the birthright. Exactly what happened back in Jacob's birth. Jacob himself crosses his hands and the right hand of blessing goes on Ephraim and the left hand on Manasseh. And Joseph tries to correct him. He thinks the old man doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I've, I've faced that sentiment once or twice in my <laughs> later years. The old man doesn't know what he's doing. So Joseph, uh, uh, Joseph tries to correct him. And Jacob says, no, this, I know what I'm doing. This is how it's to be. 
uh, the, the blessing, the right hand of blessing is on Ephraim, and so it is. And I thought, you know, it's the whole thing just being played out again in, in Jacob's life, but he's doing what the Lord wants to be done. And this time, there's no recrimination, there's no more arguing about it, just a quiet responsiveness uh, in faith and, and in worship. And I thought to myself, what a difference a night with God makes. Didn't make him perfect, but it sure made a difference in his life. Anyway, you don't want another, you don't want another sermon from me. Oh, we do. <laughs> we definitely do. <laughs> I guess as well, taking us back to your question, Jackie, of there isn't an easy answer to it and it's going to look different for lots of different people just depending on their circumstances but I think what Jacob encourages us or reminds us is that whole stay in the fight mm -hmm. so as people know you know I, I like rugby can't play anymore but I like watching it and you'll talk about you know your team staying in the fight you know and that's hard that's, I, I'm not pretending that's an easy thing to do when things are tough, when life's hard, when everything seems to be going wrong. Stay in the fight because even if you don't sense it, God is with you. Keep crying out to God is, the I think, the best advice that we can give. And if that cry is cry of despair, of, of where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Then then at least you're speaking to the right person. Yeah. I, I think in all of it, it's a reflection for me that for some of us, we feel like our faith needs to look tidy and in order. And oftentimes I feel like there, it's great for us to be encouraged to see that oftentimes and most of the time our faith can look really ugly and like we're fighting or like it's difficult. And uh, it's, things can be a struggle but that's not inherently wrong or bad or doesn't mean that we aren't people who aren't all sorted and have it together but that it's real and authentic and that God still meets us in those places and oftentimes those are the places where God can meet us the best because if we're fighting there comes a point where well we can surrender or not but if you are able to surrender then there is a lot of blessing to be found there yeah I can't can't remember if it was you or Edwin used the words of, you know, to be in a fight is not to be apathetic. Yes, that's me. You know, and yeah. I think that's that's the danger, isn't it? That we 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 become apathetic or disillusioned or 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 whatever. Whereas you know, if we we stay in the fight, then it's an expression of faith. It's an expression of hope. It's an expression of trust that God is for me in this situation, not against me. So stay in the fight. Well, our fighting time is drawing to a close, oh regrettably. <laughs> I know we could go on for another hour without too much difficulty, I suspect. Uh, but we will do what we normally do and give everyone opportunity to have one final word, something you maybe forgot to mention or has come to mind as we've been discussing. Let's start, Jackie, with you. I'm just upset. I like have another 10 questions I want to ask Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think for me, it was really interesting on Sunday to consider that this was the first time that Jacob 
had blessing that was authentically his like this was this was not something he had stolen but this was this was blessing for him and Mm. the sense for ourselves that it's oftentimes easy i realize this probably doesn't extrapolate correctly and completely comparing the stories but that we feel um oftentimes jealous of the blessing that we see in others or we we can want what other people have or feel that our life doesn't compare or reflect in relation to someone else's but actually to authentically have what god has for you is the place in which true peace and joy is to be found because none of us are left out or forgotten he has a blessing that is uniquely for each one of us i also just realized that jackie is the french equivalent of jacob so that's why it means that so there we go so our very own jacob has spoken brody one final word from you uh, two final words. Ah, <laughs> yay, go for it, Brody. A word and a book recommendation. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't have a book recommendation this week. And yeah, I've forgotten what my final words were. Yay, my work here is done. <laughs> right, we can edit that bit out or you can leave it in if you want. I guess, so Jacob sees God and yet he lives. But he lives in a new way, with a new power, but also with a new weakness. He has this, this limp. And I think that to kind of like reverse engineer that is, as it were, of that whole thing about God could have overpowered Jacob, but he chooses not to. And that speaks of God's power in this world, how God chooses to act, which we see most clearly and supremely in the incarnation of Jesus and on the cross, that God's power is manifest in weakness. And yet so often we can be um, seduced by the powers and authorities of this age to wanting that coercive, domineering, wow kind of power. And yet the power that God so often operates in or chooses to operate in looks very differently. And is that perhaps why sometimes God was surely in this place, but we miss him because we're looking for the wrong kind of manifestation of God's presence there Wow, that's good Edwin, final word from you Well just to follow on from what Brody was saying there, I mean that experience back at Bethel was also a very rich experience for for Jacob, although he had to say I didn't realise that the Lord was here but in terms of what he saw in his dream, the angels ascending and descending on the stairway to heaven and, and, and the open door as it were uh, was such a powerful thing. I mean, Jacob was blessed a lot through his life, not just with the formal blessing that he received, but j- just with things that were going on. He he had rich provision. He had all these animals that, uh, you know, when he was with Laban and, and his, his, his own personal riches, as it were, just grew and grew. Um, he was blessed in that way uh, with, with God. But I think for me, it's just a reminder that that the dark night of the soul, however that comes to us, is not the end, doesn't need to be the end by any manner of means. There's, there's life beyond that in the goodness of God. But it's God, here it's God who takes the initiative. Sure, Jacob is in a place alone where he can hear God and meet with God, but it's God who takes the initiative. And that brings my thinking always back to revival um, because people, people, we can pray for revival. We can cry to God for revival, for a move of the Spirit of God 
in our nation, in our city. And we do that all the time. But in the end, God decides when that's going to come. He, he takes the initiative. He takes the action there. The dark night of the soul is not the end. Church is struggling in Scotland and Britain. That's not the end, not by any mm. means. There is a very positive life ahead of us. And I, I noted down um, a, a quote, really, that Ian gave in his blog from uh, Barbara Brown Taylor. Great quote. She says, new life starts in the dark, whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb. It starts in the dark. And for any of us who might be in that place right now, this is not the end. It's the start of something new in your life. Let it come, Lord. Mm. Excellent. Well, regrettably, this is the end. But if you'd like to get in touch with the show, then email office at qpbc.org. Thank you very much, Edwin, for joining us. Thank you, Jack and Brody, as ever. I thank you all of you for listening. I'll speak to you all again soon. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.